You're listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel in Oakville, Ontario. For more information, please visit our website at harvestoakville.ca. Well, church, um, my name is Tim Hamer, and for the last 12 years, this has been uh, my home church. And in 2014, the Lord called uh, me and my wife, Carl, and our family uh, to full-time ministry, and I came on as uh, the director of mission and Compassion Ministries um, in this church. And it has been a joy, let me tell you, to serve in that capacity. And one of the joys of my job is I get to travel around the world um, and uh, visit some of our missionaries and our partnerships. And most recently, uh, my wife and I and our kids were in uh, the country of Romania, along with our sister church. And we spent the month of July there encouraging the church and um, uh, doing some pulpit supply there. Let me tell you, uh, no matter where I get to go in the world, Man, I love coming home. I love this church. I love this church. It's such a privilege this morning, honestly, to open up God's Word with you. Let's do that right now. If you can get your Bible and open up to uh, the book of Matthew, Matthew 6, verse 33 is our text this morning. And listen, if you don't have a Bible with you, there's one in the seat pocket in front of you. You're going to need it today. And listen, if you don't own a Bible, listen, that's our gift to you. You can take that home. It's the best gift this church could ever give you, is a copy of God's Word. So get it out, Matthew 6, verse 33. Let me read it. It says this, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And listen, all of these things will be added unto you. And so the title of our message this morning is simply this, Mission, Mission, Seek First the Kingdom of God. That's what we're aiming for this morning. That is the title of the message. That is the core passage that we're looking at. And I'm going to suggest to you right now, that's actually the application for this message. So if nothing else, in the next 45 minutes to an hour, do this. Seek first the kingdom of God. We're going to explore together a number of passages in the book of Matthew. And these are all passages that Jesus said. And I want to warn you at the outset that some of the things that Jesus said are really hard to understand. And not only are they hard to understand, they're really hard to implement. And so at some point in the next few minutes, you feel like you need to pull out of this message, that's totally fine. Listen, I get it. It's going to be a hard word this morning. Listen, go back to this. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's our anchor verse. It's the main theme for what we're talking about. It's what we're aiming for together as a church um, this morning. And so, listen, I need to tell you that this verse has been an anchor verse for me in my life. And I remember in 2008, I wrote this verse out on a sticky note, and I stuck it to my computer monitor. And I started to pray, like, Lord, what do you want from me? Like, Lord, what do you want from me in business? What do you want from me and my family? Like, Lord, I want to do whatever you want, but would you just make yourself clear to me. I can tell you this morning that that little sticky note has grown into this massive billboard that we have in our family room. And it says that verse. You want to know why? Because every morning when I wake up and stumble down the stairs looking for the coffee pot, I need to be reminded whose kingdom I'm serving. And I need to be reminded of that, but my wife Carla and our three kids, every day I have to remind them, the Lord needs to remind us whose kingdom it is that we are serving because I am so quick to start building my own kingdom. That's not what God is calling us to. He's calling us to build his kingdom and participate in that with him. So that leads us to a good question this morning. What is the kingdom of God? And Graham Goldsworthy has a, a very simple definition. He says this. He says, The kingdom of God may be defined as God's people in God's place under God's rule and blessing. That is the singular mission of God. That's what God is doing right now. He is in the process of building his kingdom, and he's inviting us to participate in that. So when we talk about missions plural, we're talking about our mission that we get out of God's singular mission. From there, we get mission. We get the opportunity to share the good news of Jesus Christ. We get to go out and proclaim his goodness and his glory amongst all the nations. But listen, don't don't be mistaken. God's singular mission is to build his kingdom here on earth. And he's asking us to participate in that. It's amazing. So let me ask you this morning, what is our mission? What's my mission? What's your mission? What's our mission as a church together? Listen, it starts with seeking first the kingdom of God, seeking 
his kingdom in this book. It's the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. He has to do it in us right now. So listen, our first point is this this morning. Write this down. I have been called to mission. It's our purpose. That's our purpose. We're going to look at our purpose this morning. You want to know what your purpose is? You ready? This is the thing that God created you for. This is going to be the answer to why am I here? Turn back one page in your Bibles to Matthew chapter, 5, sorry, chapter 5, verse 14. This is the answer to why am I here? Your purpose. Are you guys ready? Say yes. yes. All right, good. You, verse 14, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. Look at this, church. In the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. That, very simply, is our calling. That's why we're here. Your calling as a follower of Jesus Christ is simply to be a light to this dark world. So above all else, whatever other purpose that you might have, whatever other title you might have, whether you're mother or father or CEO or teacher or truck driver or student or couch potato, listen, whatever title that you have right now, this purpose, it supersedes that. It's your purpose. It's your one primary function. Let your light shine before others. Listen, church, this is why This is why God redeemed you. This is why he saved us. This is why he saves you. This is why he gives you purpose and a position in his kingdom. Listen, so that you would give him, listen, all the glory and all the honor. God, we've been singing that all morning. God, your kingdom come. That you would give him all the glory and all the honor that he deserves. And then listen, we're calling everyone around us to do the exact same thing. That's our purpose. That's our purpose. And so in our text here, I don't want to confuse the issue this morning because you might be reading that going, I'm the light of the world. Wait a minute. Isn't Jesus the light of the world? Yeah, you bet he is. Like capital L, all caps, all bold, the light of the world. Don't be confused by that, okay? Listen, when he showed up here on this planet, listen, he left his position as king of the universe. And he was and is the reigning king. When he came, he came here holding, listen, all authority in the universe, and he still does. But when he showed up here, he didn't come as like a victorious king. He showed up as a humble servant. And he lived here a perfect life, which means that he never sinned. And that perfect life led to a, a horrible death. It led to a torturous death by being nailed to a wooden cross. So he came as the, all caps, capital L, light of this world. Listen, to pay the penalty for my sin and for your sin. And he took upon himself the payment, the penalty for that sin, the wrath of his father. He took that upon himself. Listen, so that we would have the opportunity to be called his sons and daughters. That is awesome. So God has a singular mission. He's building his kingdom. He gave his son, Jesus, a singular mission. Want to know what it was? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but would have eternal life. That's the gospel in one sentence. That was Jesus Christ. That was his singular mission here on this planet. And so this morning, I'm asking, what's our response to the mission of Christ? Listen, God's word says to believe who Jesus says he is. We need to repent of our inability to save ourselves from sin and then look to Jesus as like the perfect author of our faith. Church, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ in this place, do you remember that day? 
Like, do you remember the day that the first time when God redeemed you, when he opened up your eyes spiritually so that you could see the day that you were regenerated? That simply means that he took your old self, that sinful person, that the person that was so lost in this world, the person that's hidden in darkness. Listen, your total lack of purpose. You could even say that your meaningless existence. Remember the day that all changed? Remember that day when Christ redeemed you and called you his son and daughter? And then he, that day he gave you a singular, a singular purpose. What is it? Loved ones, you, look at the text, are the light of the world. Your child of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And listen, this is crazy. He uses us, us, me and you, sinners, as instruments of light to illuminate his son, Jesus Christ. That's amazing. That is amazing to me. You know that the light of Jesus Christ, which shines through us, can reach even the darkest of darkest places? I was in um, the country of Lebanon earlier this year. And if you don't know where Lebanon is, Lebanon is like the middle of the Middle East. Okay, you have Israel to the south, you have Turkey to the north, you have Syria to the east, and I was invited there uh, to visit a prison ministry which we've been supporting in this church uh, for many years now, and it would be my first time in uh, the Middle East, and so I had really no context for what I was getting myself into. I'd never been in the Middle East, and I've never, um, I've never done prison ministry. I've never seen the inside of a prison. Praise the Lord. My mom says, that's right. He hasn't. So I have no context for what we're there. So as we roll up to this prison, I start to get a picture for what this place is. It's um, guarded by the military with a bunch of big men with big guns. And as we go through the first checkpoint, it would be the first of about six checkpoints that we need to go through to get to this prison. And they take from me everything. They take my wallet, they take my jewelry, and they take my passport. And you know the number one rule of foreign travel is don't give your passport to anybody ever. That's your ticket out of the country. That's your ticket back here, home. And so you can imagine, I'm starting to get nervous as I'm giving all of my identification away. And they allowed me to keep my Bible, which was great, because that's all I would need inside this prison. So we go through checkpoint after checkpoint after checkpoint. And finally, we get to the last checkpoint. And as you would imagine, big steel bars, just like you would think. And as those things open up, about that same time, we start to hear helicopters that are flying over top of the prison. And at that same time, we start to hear gunfire. And so, remember, I don't have context, right? So I'm thinking we're being invaded. That's what's happening right now. I'm, I'm locked in this prison, and I'm going to die. That's what's happening right now. And so I lean over to the pastor who's with us, and I'm like, um, is that gunfire? And you see, that was the wrong question. Because his answer was, yes. What I should have said was, am I about to die? He probably would have said, no, you're fine. Listen, it was probably target practice, but in that moment, I'm, I'm getting scared, I'll tell you right now. And so we were pushed through this final steel door, and as we go in, the door shuts behind us. Now, what they didn't tell us before we went in, that this is the largest prison in the Middle East, and the, uh, the current population of that prison is about 4,000 inmates, but it was in a facility only built for about 1,500 inmates. Um, some of those inmates are the top um, ISIS and Al-Qaeda detainees. So I'm really glad they didn't tell us that before we went in. And so this door shuts behind us, and I noticed that the guards that were with us the whole time stay behind. We're now pushed in with the general population of this prison, so I lean over to the pastor again. I'm like, where's the guards? And he says, oh, no, 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 no. They don't come with us. It's far too dangerous for them in here. <laughs> Are you kidding me right now? So listen, we make our way through this prison, and I'm walking through these cells that are holding literally 20, 30, 40 men at a time, and we walk into this open courtyard, and everyone is staring at us, and I'm sitting there, all I have is God's word in my hand, and like, you know those moments where you just don't know what to do? And so I was kind of like, <laughs> and like, I was like, listen, that's all I could think of, okay? I was like, I come in peace. Like, I didn't know what to think <laughs> or where, where to look, but listen, we walk through this courtyard, and we get into this chapel, and inside this chapel are 100 men, and the pastor leans over to me, he's like, listen, of all the 100 men here, about 80 of them are Muslim. I'm like, really? How's that possible? And listen, they start to worship God, and they start to sing. And my mouth is like, they're singing in Arabic, but I know the tune. I've heard it before all my life. 
I have decided to follow Jesus. You guys know that one? And so I get up to share with these men, and I'm like, how in the world is this possible? Here's 80 to 100 men, most of them Muslim or former Muslims, singing, I've decided to follow Jesus. Like, we are in the middle of the Middle East. Like, we are in a very dark prison with men all around us who hate the gospel of Jesus Christ. And here are these guys, I've decided to follow Jesus. Church, how is it possible? How is something like that possible in our day? Listen, it's possible because, look at me, the gospel of Jesus Christ is totally unstoppable. He will shine the light of the gospel in the places that we think it's totally impossible to reach, and he does it through us. That is amazing. So when the text says, you are the light of the world, that's what Jesus is talking about here. So that's there. What does that mean for us here in North America? Have you watched the news recently? Like, we're in a dark world here, wouldn't you say? Look all around us. Every day we're bombarded with different media reports of more darkness and more terror, more adultery, more wickedness, more murder, more lust, more racism. What on earth is happening? It is darker and darker, and moral decay seems to be at an all-time high. And Jesus, knowing that, said this in John 8, verse 12. Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Look at this promise. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Amen. Church, our purpose, actually purpose is not, our privilege, that's a better word, our, our privilege in times of darkness and complete and utter chaos is to reflect the light of Jesus Christ to the dark world around us. Why? Look at the text. Verse 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see, listen, your good works. They see that you love Jesus, that they see that you're serving him and that you're working for his kingdom. And listen, that they give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Let me ask you this morning, how are you doing in that purpose? Tim, how are you doing in that purpose? How's this singular mission going in your life? How's it going in the life of this church? Listen, are you a, a giant flashlight directing people to the cross of Jesus? Or are you this dim-lit little tea light hiding your faith from others around you? In our day, honestly, maybe our world has become so dark because people have simply just turned off the light. We've stopped seeking first the kingdom of God and we've started building our own kingdoms. I think so many followers of Jesus Christ have become, listen, dimly lit candles that have almost no impact for lighting the world on fire for Jesus Christ. We seemingly have retreated into our, our giant homes of luxury and we're being lulled to, like, lulled to sleep by this lullaby of like worldliness and these vain pursuits that we find ourselves in. All the while, millions of people, listen, are perishing and going to hell apart from Jesus Christ. Wake up! We, church, we have to wake up. We're going to turn on the light. We have to open his word and get about the business of seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. It's very hard for me not to get overwhelmed and excited by that thought. Listen, we're the light of the world. The amazing truth is that you and I are God's plan to reach the nations with the good news of Jesus Christ. So your calling is simple. Reflect the image and the likeness of Jesus Christ and tell everyone around him how much you love him. That's our purpose. That's our calling. That's our mission. You, me, we're the light to this dark world. Every man, every woman, every child in this church. It starts with opening this book. It starts with seeking first the kingdom of God. 
and knowing your calling. Listen, you and I, we have been called to mission. It is our purpose. That was our first point this morning. Our second point is this. Secondly, I must be compelled to mission. And when I'm compelled to mission, there is urgency for the gospel that is building up within me. Turn forward in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. Matthew 9, verse 35. Another difficult saying, but a beautiful saying by our Savior. Matthew 9, 35 says this, And Jesus went through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the, what does it say there, church? Of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them. You see Christ's heart here? Because listen, they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And so seeing this, Jesus turns to his disciples. And this morning, he turns to us and he says this, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray. Pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. We get from this passage, church, the number one lesson in missions, plural. The number one lesson is simply this. Write it down. The fuel for mission is prayer. The fuel for mission is prayer. If we want to reach the world around us with the good news of Jesus Christ, listen, it starts with prayer. It is covered in prayer. And when we see the lost saved, listen, it's because they've responded in prayer. So when we read a passage like this, we need to ask ourselves, who are the sheep that Christ is talking about here? What harvest is he referring to? And let me just explain. Um, there is um, plus or minus one or two, seven billion people on this planet right now, today. Seven billion people. Of those seven billion people, they estimate about two billion of those people would identify themselves as Christians. And so I mean like Christians, Protestants, Catholics, Jehovah's Witness, that crazy guy on the street corner that has the end is near sign, him, he's counted as one of us, okay? So it's a broad definition. Um, if we're a little more conservative with that number, we're talking about like actual Christians who, who, who pick up this book and read it, who have given their lives to Jesus Christ, born again, Jesus-exalting followers of Jesus Christ have been baptized. Let's say that number is maybe a billion. I even think that's generous. But let's just say there's a billion true followers of Jesus Christ. The next largest group on that list of about 1.8 to 2 billion are Muslims, scattered all around the world. And so the rest of the group, let's say about 3 billion, are a mixture of other religions, atheists, agnostics, Jedis. That's a real thing in the States. You can identify yourself as a Jedi. I kid you not. So think about this for a second. Of the 7 billion people on this planet, it's fair this should, this should develop some urgency in us. It's fair to estimate that 6 billion people on this planet do not worship Jesus Christ. 6 billion people. Listen, of that 6 billion, half of them, 3 billion, have never heard the name of Jesus Christ. Never. They've never heard of him. Let that sink in for you. To illustrate how big that number is, Consider this room. There's about 1,000 people in this room. If we had a service every hour of every day, 24 services a day, 24,000 people coming through here, and we did that every day for 365 days in a year, do you know how long it would take for us to reach 3 billion people with the gospel? 342 years. 340, that's how big that number is. Think about that. Let that just set in and build some urgency in you right now. You know of that 3 billion people, that, that we, we can even break that down further into about 6,500 what we call unreached people groups. These are distinct ethnic groups with their own language and their own culture, and listen, they are totally unreached. They do not have a Bible in their own language. They do not have one single believer to be a light to them. They are in complete and total darkness. They are the sheep without a shepherd in this passage. They are the harvest that is plentiful. And so David Platt, 
Um, if you don't know who he is, he's the president of the largest mission agency in the world. He was considering this, and he said it very well, considering this group. He said, their knowledge of God is only enough to damn them to hell. That should cause, as a follower of Jesus Christ, that should cause some sorrow to well up within us. So church, that leaves a massive task left remaining for us. These people, listen, they must be reached with the good news and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? Let me give you an illustration of a family from our church, and I would love to tell you their names, but I can tell you that we refer to them as the M family. And if I told you their full names, and if I told you where they were serving this world, I would put not just their ministry in jeopardy, I'd actually put their lives in jeopardy. So I can tell you that they're serving in Central Asia, and they're in a closed country and an entirely Muslim country. And their aim there is to reach six of the 6,500 unreached people groups that are living in that particular country. And so to start, they actually have to create an alphabet for that people group, because the the culture there, the language is entirely oral. So they start with an alphabet. And then once they've created an alphabet for that language, then they teach the people how to read. And then while they're doing this, can you imagine how long that takes? While they're doing that, they're translating the Bible into the language of that people group so that one day they could hold up the book and read it and understand that they too are called to seek first the kingdom of God. That's one family in our church on a massive mission just to see six of the 6,500 unreached people groups reached in our lifetime. Last year, um, they had hired a gentleman, a Muslim gentleman, to come help them translate. He speaks the, the, the country language, but also the, the language of the people group that they were reaching. And so he's helping with the translation work. And he noticed a Bible in the language that he can read on their shelf. And he asked if he could read it. Now, for him to do so is against his religion. But for our missionary family to give them the copy of the Bible is actually against the law. And so both peoples took a, a bit of a risk, and he took that Bible home. And a month or so later, he came back, and I want to quote to you what he said. He said this, after reading God's word for the first time, he says, I finally understand. After reading the scriptures, I realized that this is what I believe in. And that man gave his life to the Lord right there. Now, church, do you see the significance of that? The significance of that moment is that, that he is the first convert in an unreached people group. So that unreached people group is no longer unreached. They have one light. They have one guy to share the good news of Jesus Christ with them in their heart language. So that's one down, 6,499 to go. Carl Henry was considering that thought, and he said this. He said, the gospel is only good news if it gets there in time. You know that every generation has to learn that we have a task left remaining, but that it's our responsibility in our day to see all of the world reached with the good news of Jesus Christ. And there's urgency that comes with that. And Jesus, in this passage, when he says the harvest is plentiful, he was bang on when he said the labors are few. Where did everybody go? How can we stand down in our day and watch literally church billions of people go on to an eternal lake of fire? Where's the urgency in the gospel for our day, in our church, in our lives? So church, we have to pray, just like Jesus says here in this passage, we have to pray that the Lord of the harvest will send out more laborers to tell these people the good news of Jesus Christ. So I'm asking you this morning, who in this place will pray? Who will commit to fervent prayer to the God of the harvest to send out more laborers? And then the second question is, who will go? I'm serious. Right now, in this place, we're a church of 4,000 people. Certainly of that 4,000 people, there's a couple of dozen that have heard the call to go. And even as I said that right now, your heart starts to beat a little bit faster because you know this is not the first time you're hearing this call to go. Where are you in this place? Listen, we need people in this church that are willing to cross the barrier of culture and language and land to reach the lost. So where are you in this church? And then the second question is, well, what about the rest of us? We, we're not all called into the foreign mission field, right? Like it's not all of our responsibility to do this. 
you're thinking that, you're wrong. I'll tell you right now, you are dead wrong. Everybody in this place has a responsibility to see the good news of Jesus Christ proclaimed throughout the whole world. Listen, there's an urgency like never before in our day. Just consider the greater Toronto area where we all live. Three million people live in this area. Do you know that of the three million people, half of that, 50%, have, were not born here in this country? That means half of the people around us, they represent hundreds of unreached people groups. That means people living on your street. That means people at your workplace. That means people in your school have access to people on the other side of the world that have never heard the name of Jesus Christ, and you have access to them. So let me ask you, what's your responsibility here at home as a missionary of Jesus Christ, as a follower of Jesus Christ? You know, within like 200 feet of my own front door, uh, we recently moved to this court, and the court has five duplexes and 10 families living there. My immediate next-door neighbor is connected to us, Bless him, we are so noisy. <laughs> He's from mainland China. A lot of his family's still living in mainland China in places that are unreached. Uh, a few doors down the court is a family from northern Afghanistan. They've been here for 13 years, but all of their family is still in northern Afghanistan where the gospel has not yet come in certain places. On the other side of my court is a guy from Canada. Pretty sure he's from Canada. But I kid you not, he is a legit Satan worshiper. His Wi-Fi network is 666. And he named his dog, his pit bull, Lucy, which is short for Lucifer. And so right on my own court, the gospel can go out to China, it can go out to northern Afghanistan, and right into the heart of darkness itself. He, um, when we came back from Romania, he's disappeared somewhere. Our neighbor said that the police came, and we haven't seen him since. And honestly, I don't know if I should be happy about that, or if I should be really upset about that. Because could it be that I was the only opportunity for him to hear the good news of Jesus Christ? I'm praying he comes back. Why? Not because I want a Satan worship on my street, because that guy needs the light of the gospel. And so what's our responsibility? You know that the Lord has strategically placed you close to all the unbelievers around you so that they may hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Listen, that's your mission. So maybe the Lord hasn't called you to foreign missions, but listen, you absolutely, without a doubt, have a responsibility to the lost around you. Without a doubt. You are on mission. So if that doesn't provide you with some sort of urgency today, let me give you a very quick history lesson from God's Word. So when you consider where we are in the timeline of this book, from Adam and Eve until where we find ourselves today, let me ask you something. What is the Lord waiting for? Why hasn't he returned yet? How many of you are praying in this place, Lord, would you just come? I pray that. There's days I pray, Lord, just come. Then there's days I pray, Lord, don't come. Don't come. My neighbors don't know you. There's family members I have that don't know you. But like, when we consider the timeline of this book, are we at the beginning? Are we in the middle? Are we at the end? At the very end. Loved ones, we're at the very end. What are we waiting for? Jesus said in Matthew 24, 14, he said, and the gospel of this kingdom will be proclaimed through the whole world as a testimony, listen, to all nations, then the end will come. That's where we are in world history. You know that we, this is a baseball game, we're in the, the bottom of the ninth inning. It is two out, the bases are loaded, that's where we are. That's the urgency. Literally, church, if this were a baseball game, everyone here would have their rally caps on, and we'd all be shouting, let's go, Jesus, let's go. That's where we would be if this was a baseball game, but it's not. So where's the urgency in our day for the gospel? You know that every person here is going to give an account to the Lord for their lives? Every single person here. Every one of us. Whether you claim Jesus Christ in this place right now, or whether you're living in darkness right now, all of us, every single person is going to stand before the Lord one day, and he's going to ask us to give an account. And for those who are lost in this place right now, it'll be too late. When you're standing before him, and he says, what have you done for me? And you say, I don't follow you. We know from God's word what happens. But for those who follow Jesus Christ, and he says, my son, my son, come into my kingdom. What have you done for me? going to stand there and say, I built a cool cottage. I, I did really good saving for my retirement plan. 
Listen, those are all good things, but man, we better have something to show when we stand before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And so John Piper, who is, listen, infinitely smarter than me, said this, and he said it well when considering the urgency in our days. is when it comes to world missions, there are only three kinds of Christians. There's zealous goers, there are zealous senders, and there are disobedient. That's a hard word, and it's true. Which one are we going to be in this church? Are you going to be a, a goer? Are you going to be a sender? Listen, we're not going to tolerate disobedience in this church. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you're one or the other. So I realize that in this point, in the word from the Lord this morning, these are hard things for us to hear. And I get it that some of you might be saying right now, listen, I didn't sign up for this. If that's where your heart's at right now, I get it. I get discipleship is a process. Understanding our responsibility as believers to Christ, it's a process. It doesn't happen overnight. And so listen, is the point, if you're checked out at this point, go back to the beginning. Seek first the kingdom of God. Listen, don't just trust what I'm saying to you. Investigate for yourself. I guarantee you'll come to the same conclusion. Listen, our third point is this. Not only must we be compelled to missions that causes urgency, finally, and honestly, I must count the cost of mission. And it's this. It's our sacrifice. Turn with me again uh, a couple of chapters ahead to Matthew 16, 24. Matthew 16, 24. This is a hard passage of Scripture. And I think it's right and I think it's fair that we read it this morning. So again, this is Jesus speaking. He's speaking to his disciples. That's us. He says this, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Forever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? For listen, the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay every person according to what he has done. Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his, what does it say there, church? His kingdom. His kingdom. I'm going to warn you this morning from God's word that if you choose to follow Jesus Christ, that it is going to come at a cost. And we can pick out three distinct markers of that cost in this passage. There are three steps Maybe a litmus test for you. There are three tests to sacrificially living for the kingdom of God. Do you see them here? First one says, if anyone will come after me, let him deny himself. So if you're going to participate truly in the kingdom of Jesus Christ, it means that we first stop building our own kingdoms. The marker of a follower of Jesus Christ who's living a life on mission, a true disciple, this marker is self-denial. That means we're putting aside our own fleshly wants and desires. It's hard, right? For some of us, that means we don't get to buy the things that we would really like to buy. We don't participate in the worldly pursuits that maybe our neighbors do. You see, the thing is, as we grow closer to Jesus Christ, as we are created more and more into his image, we start to desire the things that Christ desires. That's the beauty of discipleship. That's where the world starts to think that we are crazy. There's people in my family that think I'm crazy. That's okay. Listen, have you heard someone say to you, you give how much money to the church? That's irresponsible. Or you're going where in the world on your vacation? Oh, that's dangerous. You spend how much time at your church? That's crazy. Listen, church, listen to me right now. Our lives of self-denial should make no sense to the unbeliever. It should make no sense whatsoever. Secondly, we deny ourselves. It says here, in God's word, that we take up your cross. That simply means that I'm willing to pay any price. I'm willing to pay any price for the cause of Jesus Christ. 
That literally means that we're going to strap a torture device to our back and start walking if that means the gospel goes out. You know, Jesus is using very strong language here. When he said this to the disciples, they knew exactly what he meant when he said, pick up your cross, pick up your torture device and follow me. Listen, it's going to be hard. You are going to be persecuted. In this country, it's coming. Trust me, loved ones, persecution will increase in this country for the believer in Jesus Christ. You're going to get mocked. You might even get injured at some point. Listen, you might even get killed. Maybe not so much now, here, in our day, but I guarantee you that today, someone on this planet is dying for their faith. Loved ones, you're going to follow Jesus Christ. It's going to come at a cost. Just consider for a moment. Just stop and think about the price that Christ paid for you and me on the cross. And thirdly here, we're called to deny ourselves. We're called to take up the cross and then simply to follow him. When it says follow him there, that's total and complete submission to Jesus Christ. This is the giving to him of total lordship over our lives. And we're following him in crazy obedience. That's what it means to follow him. Complete and total surrender to the king of kings. That's what we're called to So church, if we truly understand the kingdom of God and are seeking it first, it means that we're living a life of radical sacrifice and surrender for the cause of our king. That's our privilege. I want to give you an example of that here locally. Um, There's a girl that's in this church. I won't say her name, but I can tell you one thing. Um, She is very bright and a sharp communicator. Uh, She's well-educated. She's very high-capacity. In the corporate world, she'd be at the executive level, and as a result, she would probably be very, very highly paid and an influencer. And you know, she knows her calling, and she knows exactly what the Lord has burdened her for. And he's burdened her for the people of Hamilton, and specifically burdened her for the mothers and young children that live in the downtown core of Hamilton. And if you've been there, you know that there's multi-generational lives of poverty and abuse and hopelessness in that area of the city. And she learned that, like, listen, no government program and no matter of social assistance is going to make the change that needs to be changed, that needs to happen in the downtown core of Hamilton. It's only the light of Jesus Christ that shines in the dark place that will have any iota of difference down there. She knows that, so she's given her life to that. So instead of living here in the comfort of Burlington or Oakville, she's chosen to live in the worst part of time of town. And in that part of where she lives, crime is the highest and her personal safety is the lowest. Think about that as a single woman. And she's denied herself the comfort and safety because Christ has told her to follow him in a very specific mission. And the mission that she works for, it frequently exposes her to, I kid you not, peril. She gets death threats And probably on a daily basis, she gets mistreatment as a result. But if you talk to her, she'll say, all of that is but taking on the cross and worthy of self-denial because of the message of Jesus Christ. Listen, it's the only hope. It's the only hope for the downtown core of Hamilton. It's the only hope for Burlington, Oakville, Canada, this world. So church, we need to pray that there's more people like her in this church. We need people that, who have counted the cost. We need people who are prepared to bear the full weight of the cross because Jesus bore the full weight of the cross for you and I. Oh, Lord, what this church might look like. God, if you filled it with passionate, kingdom-minded, brightly lit followers of Jesus Christ who care for the lost sheep and are willing to go to the ends of the earth to see them rescued through the power of the gospel. Father, would you do that in this church? So church, is it any wonder then that the mission statement of this church is to glorify God through the fulfillment of the great commission and the spirit of the great commandment. What is it? Go. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. What's the great commandment? Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. See what we're aiming for in this church? That's why our fourth pillar, not the first pillar, the fourth pillar, the fourth pillar is sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with boldness. It's the discipleship model that we're trying to push this church towards. Listen, any wonder then that the fifth G in our discipleship model is go time. 
where we're encouraging everyone in this place to spend time annually seeing the, the gospel spread here locally and globally. That's what we're aiming for as a church. Will you participate in that? I'm begging you, please. I want to end this morning where we started with Matthew 6, 33. And that passage, like I said, is our core passage. It says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Loved ones, look at the promise that's attached to this. And all these things will be added unto you. You know that the context of this verse, Jesus is actually referring, he's teaching his disciples. He's referring to fear and worry and anxiety. The exact same, exact things that cause us not to be on mission. Fear and worry, anxiety. Well, Lord, what if you call my son or my daughter to the mission field and I never see them again? Listen, God knows. He knows your needs and wants. Well, Lord, what if I lose my retirement savings for this? Listen, all of these things will be added unto you. See, the reality of seeking first the kingdom of God is that when we do it, we are guaranteed that all the things that we worry about will be taken care of. I want to ask you this morning, just in the stillness of your own heart, will you trust the Lord? Listen, church, will you trust the Lord to provide whatever he is calling you to this morning? Whatever that might be, will you surrender to him right now? Surrender your life, surrender your own kingdom, and answer the call to follow him? You know, I've come to learn that in my life, the greatest joy and personal fulfillment in this life is found at the center of God's mission for my life. This mission starts by seeking first the kingdom of God. So I want to invite you to um, just close your eyes, bow your head. I think it's right this morning that we leave some room for a response. Because this is a hard message and it's hard to hear and it's hard to implement and we need the Holy Spirit to help us to do this. And so, Father, we say, Holy Spirit, would you help us right now in this moment? I want to speak to three people in this room right now, three types of people. And the first person is the person who feels compelled to go. And you know the Lord has been speaking to you, not just today, but maybe for months or even years, and he's given you a burden to reach the nations for Jesus Christ. And maybe you don't know what the next steps are, or have clarity in that, but you cannot shake this deep concern and love you have for the unreached. So I'm not going to ask you for a commitment or a pledge or even to come up here this morning. I just want you to say three simple words of prayer to the Lord. And those three simple words are this. I will go. If that's you, just pray it to the Lord this morning. Just tell him, Lord, I'll go. I don't know what that means, but I'll go. If that's in my neighborhood, or the place I work, or a country I've never been to, Lord, I will go. And you know, there's a second group here, and I believe the Lord has been speaking to you today as well, and I count myself part of this group. And the Lord is calling you to a deeper level of kingdom sacrifice and sending out more labors into the field. And for some of you, that means you're going to be giving more financially, maybe even radically changing your lifestyle. And for others in this group, the Lord has given you the burden of prayer as the fuel of mission. And right now, you want to affirm your commitment to pray for missions and missionaries around the world. So I'm not asking you for money this morning. I'm not asking you for commitment. I'm simply asking you to pray three words, three words to the Lord, I will send. So that's you right now in this place. And I pray that's everyone. Pray it, I will send. Like, I don't know what that means, but I'll do it because I'm about your kingdom. There's a third person here. And to be honest, you are the most important person in this room right now. 
You're the person who's been prayed for the most. And you know right now that you don't belong to either of these first two groups because you are not seeking first the kingdom of God. Nor are you part of the kingdom of God. And you have been living in darkness and sin long enough. And today is the day that that ends for all of eternity. And you know that your way has only led to despair and to hopelessness. Listen to me, please. I'm begging you right now. Just say three simple words. Pray to the Lord. I will follow. Right now, this morning, Jesus is giving you the opportunity to take the first step in following him. Place your trust in him. Commit your life to him. If I'm talking to you right now, listen, no one's looking at you. Everyone has their eyes closed and their head bowed. If that's you right now in this place, just raise your hand. The Lord sees you. Today is the day of your salvation. Don't walk out of this place right now. I'm begging you. It's just you and your Savior who's calling out to you. He's saying, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He's saying to you right now, listen, child, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Right now, you just need to confess your sin. And listen, if you do so, his word said he is faithful and just to forgive you your sin. He will cleanse you from all unrighteous. Listen to me. Jesus is desperate to adopt you into his kingdom and to give you an inheritance and to call you his son or his daughter. But you have to answer the call to follow him. So I'm begging you right now, just pray three words. I will follow. Speak to the Lord right now. Lord, Father, would you grant supernatural boldness in this room right now? God, I pray that you would show up powerfully in the lives of the people in this church. God, we thank you for your kingdom. Oh God, let your kingdom come, let your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. That's how your son taught us to pray. And church, we're going to pray that way right now. I want to invite you to stand up. We're going to pray the Lord's Prayer together as one body, as one church. It's up on the screen. It says, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.